Welcome to America's Top Rabbitsons. May this class be for Fruishalema, for Eliezer Raphael Le Benamuna, and also for Sivan Bad Iris. Please take a moment to click on subscribe if you are, would like to follow us on your podcasting apps. This way, you will be the first to know when an exciting new podcast is posted. I'm so happy to have on today's show, Rebitson Bassi Landa. Rebitson Bassi is a ma- master educator with years of teaching and Jewish outreach experience. She is also the co-director of the Chabad Jewish Center in St. Charles County in St. Charles, Missouri. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, I am a mom of three beautiful little girls. Um, we, I was born in LA. I moved to Brooklyn when we, when I got married, and then two years ago we moved to St. Charles County to be here for the six thousand Jews that live here in the county. Um, and we moved here right before COVID. Um, so that was an interesting way of starting our community. It was like virtually, it wasn't as expected, um, but yeah, it's been like a crazy journey and a beautiful journey watching this community come together and grow. And it's a real privilege to be here um, for the Jews that live out here. So right now we're getting ready for our first communal Seder. We moved here February two years ago. So really our first program was supposed to be the Seder. We were looking forward to that. And then it moved, you know, we did um, Seder to go kids and just it switched very quickly. Um, So this is going to be our first in-person Seder. Wow. We're going to have over a hundred people. We're very excited. It's amazing. Yeah. So um, we're busy. It's, it's busy um, between so right now I'm homeschooling my three girls. So between having my three girls home and, um, you know, just all the Chabad work that it's, it's, it's busy. So that's a little bit about me. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Wow. That's exciting. I didn't know that there were 6,000 Jews in St. Charles County, Missouri. It's amazing. I know. And we, there was no Jewish infrastructure before we moved here. So there's 6,000 Jews that it's a need of, you know, Jewish life. And there's wow. just like the response has been so like thankful that we are here and that, you know, bringing Jews together at, you know, Shabbos morning, we have a Torah study class and just walking in and, and feeling Shabbos for the, you know, and yeah, it's a beautiful thing. We have mommy and me for the young Jewish moms that really want this space to be able to connect to other Jewish moms and have their kids in a Jewish environment. So yeah, I feel very blessed <laughs> to be here. Wow, that's incredible. I'm just like, I'm like brought to life, like just listening to what you just said, because you said that there were 6,000 Jews before you even got there and there was no right. infrastructure for them and they were there before you. Like, right. you know, I, I'm just trying to put myself in their position. Like, you know, wow, wow, they didn't have anything. And now you're really, you're bringing Judaism to life for them. You're really, and now you're having the Seder. There's, you know, Passover's coming up. You're going to be having the Seder for them. It's incredible. Wow. I was like, yeah. it's all, it's all thinking. It's amazing. Wow. So today I wanted to speak deeply about a concept that is written in the Holy Book of Tanya. The Tanya is an early work of the Hasidic, of Hasidic philosophy written by Rabbi Shneer Zalman of Liadi, who was the founder of Chabad Hasidism. The Tanya focuses on the forces of good and evil in human nature. And there's a concept in Tanya that speaks about a godly soul and an animal soul, and that 
both are inside of us. The godly soul is inside of us and also the animal soul um, is inside of us as well. And it seems like we have this duality inside of us because of this. Sometimes, you know, part of us is pulling us to do the right thing. The other times a part of us is urging us to do what's not good for us. So can you please talk to us more in detail about the concept of the two souls inside of us? Yes, yes. So much of the beginning chapters of Tanya speak about our spiritual anatomy. And the altar explains the idea that we contain both a godly soul, which is it's an actual piece of God who she yearns for the close, she yearns to go back to her source, to God. Um, and that's her yearning, that's her deepest desire. And then we have a very human animal soul, which is really the exact opposite. Um, its greatest desire is self-preservation and self-pleasure. And it's like, that would be the self that's very much pulled to grab, you know, pull by gravity. It's very earth, earthy. <laughs> um, so we have this dichotomy. It's like this tension that lives within us. And Altara brings this, I, the story of Rivka when she was pregnant with, with Asa and Yaakov. And when she walked by a house of prayer, she felt her baby kicking and all excited. And then she would walk by a house of idol worship and the same, the baby would get all excited. And she was so confused and she sought guidance by the great sages and who told her, you know, don't worry, your baby's not crazy. You're expecting twins. And each one, you know, desires something else. And that's essentially what's going on with us. We're not crazy. And the inner tension that we experience, it's, you know, well, one moment we could desire truth and goodness and kindness. And the other, we can feel such base desires and almost like seemingly shameful. Like I feel jealous and anger and impatience. And so how do we reconcile? This would be the question. How do we seemingly reconcile these two parts of ourselves and also what is the point of this inner spiritual structure how we were created right exactly do you have like so yes do you are you able to share with us like some insights because i also wrestle i think we all do we all really wrestle with like do we do the good do we do the bad because we you know honestly sometimes we really want to do the bad and i'm being very honest and maybe i'm speaking for myself maybe others agree with me like you want to do like kind of what feels good in the moment sometimes and yes other times of course you want to do the right thing and you want to be more elevated but you know we're really 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 torn so how like in the dichotomy in the heat of the moment what do we do how can we reconcile the two definitely so It's very helpful to understand this is how we were created. Hashem created us this way. It's not a, it's not a fault. It's a feature. Oh, interesting. It's not a bug in the system. This is how we were created. Wow. Hashem created us very much intentionally with this animal soul, with all everything that it entails and with the godly soul and, and in with creating us, like that he also gave us the strength to be able to to find that harmony to be able to choose truth and choose goodness but when we do choose things that aren't good you know whatever that would entail to know that to be so compassionate on ourselves and know that Hashem created us faulty and flawed and imperfect and we're not angels Hashem didn't create us perfect so I think that knowledge of knowing you know Hashem gave us a strength so knowing that we could do 
the right thing and knowing that we do have the power to choose good. And at the same time, when we don't, knowing that this is how Hashem created us. Um, and having that compassion on ourselves, I think that that helps us carry on. <laughs> wow. This is just like, it's an amazing perspective. I never thought about that perspective, but yeah, you're right. Self-compassion, you know, because we are created with both of these features, with the godly feature and also with the, with the animal soul. Like we, we have this inside of us. So when we make a decision that it's more, maybe more inclined toward the animal soul, not to like beat ourselves up about it, not to put ourselves down about it, but Hashem created us with this yes. feature in it. So we have exactly. to keep that in and mind. That is actually more natural for us. Like, yes. you know, the, the chiddush or like the the novelty would be when we choose good because we're in a world that hides godliness and that you know everything else that is whatever we would say the opposite of godliness is what is more apparent and it's what more alluring and appealing yes that we have that pull and also inside of us our godly soul lives within our animal soul so even inside of us our nisham is hidden and it's it really takes like you know work to allow it to shine and to hear her voice so you know, that's naturally the choices that we make. And when we do choose good to really celebrate ourselves, like that is incredible. That is amazing. And to not put ourselves down when we, you know, do what's natural, how Hashem created us naturally, what we would, you know, do. Wow. Right, right. Because you were saying when we're not angels, we're not perfect angels at all. And there are days where we feel more spiritual and are inspired by Judaism. And we want to just do good deeds for others. And we, we want to invite Shabbos guests. We want to give money to charity. We, and there are other days when we just can't be bothered to do anything right. And we're more tempted by our animal soul and watching something inappropriate on television or gossiping about others or generally doing things that are not in the spirit of Torah. And like, I mean, is there any other, are there any other insight that have this Tanya, give us the insight and guidance to overcome these struggles we face on a day-to-day basis as human beings, bridging that gap between the godly soul and the animal soul. Because I really liked what you said, that the godly soul was inside of the animal soul, almost like giving the visual that the animal soul was even maybe a little bit more prevalent than the godly soul. Like, you, you know, if you look at the world around us, you can see you can see what's more prevalent, you know, that, that the animal soul, you know, I know, is more more prevalent and that really it takes a lot. It really takes a lot for that godly soul to sometimes shine out of us. Right. So I think that when we understand how God created us, most of us in the Tanya, the, the Balatani Zatarb explains the term tzaddik as not someone as a good person. It's a tzaddik is a term that's given to very, very few individuals who are created with the ability to completely trap. The idea is that they're completely good. They have no pull, like no selfish pull, no pull that earthly pull. They all they want to do is good. Wow. Um, and for many, for most of us, that's a task that's impossible. And it's not what we were created to do or to strive towards. So when we know that that our task isn't to be perfect and that that's not what God wants from us. We're not trying to get to that place. You know, when I finally get to that place where I no longer feel these ugly thoughts, when I no longer have those ugly thoughts, when I no longer feel jealous of my neighbor or, or snap at my kids or, or just, I'm just filled with this feeling of patience and desire to just give and do good and, and love myself and love the people around me. That's not how God, that's not what God even 
asks of us or expects from us. And that's not what we were created to do. So when we realize what God wants from us, that there, we have those real, we will have much more realistic expectations of ourselves. And the, the idea of the struggle that we're going to find inner peace um, when we're to, like this, this perfect, you know, whatever this perfect picture of the tzaddik, that that's, that's not for me. That's not what I, that's, that's not going to be my life journey. Um, and that to really come to a place of appreciation for the struggle, that there's beauty in the struggle and it's the journey that that's where our purpose lies. And God's measuring stick is in the effort. He created me with knowing all my life circumstance, my childhood traumas, all my personality flaws, everything, all the challenges I'm going to be facing. Like he knows me in the deepest sense, my life circumstances and my inner struggles and everything that everything in all its detail, he knows best. And then, and then he asks of me to do certain things, knowing me in all my deep, in, in like the most intimate way. And so he doesn't have unrealistic expectations. He, he knows what I'm capable of and he knows the effort that I put in. So if someone else looks like they're doing better than you, and you know that you, let's say, um, um, you know, let's say you have two kids that, that um, get to school at nine o'clock and one kid is just smooth sailing and he's pleasant and wakes up early and just goes through the morning routine like a joy. And the other one really like, just everything is a struggle. Everything's grating at your nerves. And it's just like, this kid is more difficult. And if you would be able to like take an extra vision of who really showed up that morning in a hundred percent, and really put in that effort to do good and to and to try with all their heart. It was the second kid that just gave such a hard time. And it's not, God actually does have that x-ray vision. And he does see us with it, you know, whether we, we come to the finish line or not, whether we actually do the thing or not, but that effort that we put in, um, yeah. And he, um, he created us like this faulty, flawed, fickle, flimsy human beings, very, very human beings. And when we do make that effort to choose, which is really like the word that's only we have as we were gifted with this choice when we choose, which is really powerful to, to take a moment to be kinder, to, choose to be more patient, to be more present, to judge someone more generously, to choose, take a, a pause, to give a coin to charity before you leave the house or kiss them. So the, that lies God's greatest pleasure, his greatest desire to, that we here in the lowest realm, the lowest, in the lowest world, it's so earthy and so materialistic, we are creating a home for him. We're shining light. Uh, and his desire doesn't lie in like the lofty spiritual realms and the celestial palaces where all the angels just sing praise to him all day. That's, the, that's what they do. And, and you would think like, that's where God 
you know, wishes to be. And it's like, no, he wants to be here with us. It was just kind of crazy. Like, why? I'm so <laughs> imperfect. And right. he does. He wants to be here in my messy kitchen, in the <laughs> grimy subway stations, you know, where there's in my heart and mind where it could be sometimes dark. Right. And and he wants us to shine souls, shine his light and radiate that light in my my mind, my body, my heart, and in this very physical world that we live in. I love that. I think it's so so beautiful. And especially what you said about like um about Hashem having x-ray vision. I think he because he can really see inside each and every one of us. He really, really can. And you're right, you know, when you look around at, at people and say, Oh, this one does that so much better than me. And this one, look at look at how successful. What this one is a better mother, this one is a better wife, this one is a better athlete, this one, you know, is better at her job. And and you know, that's what it looks like on the outside, but you don't know what's going on inside each and every one of them. And you also have to give yourself credit for what's going on in you and how you're trying to show up as a mother and a wife and an athlete or you're in your job or whatever you're trying to do in all those categories. Like, but Hashem yeah. sees it. Even if, you know, even if the people that you're looking at don't see what's going on inside of you, you see it and you know it and Hashem sees it and he knows it. And I think it's a really, really important distinction because he really knows how hard you're working to do X, Y, and Z. And just because somebody does X, Y, and Z uh, more easily than you do or has less trouble doing it than you do or maybe does it better than you do doesn't mean that you don't get credit for your effort and for your trying. And, you know, we're only responsible for our efforts and for our trying. The outcome is not in our hands anyway. It's a Hash- the outcome is in Hashem's hands. So, it's, you know, it's not up to you how, how you show up, you know, how um, the result looks like. When you put in the effort, your job is to put in the effort and the results that's, that's already in Hashem's hands. So very powerful. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I would like to get practical for a moment. You know, we live in such a busy world with so many tasks to accomplish and so many responsibilities to live up to. And what advice would you give us as regular ordinary people to help us begin to choose, as you said earlier, to begin to choose the godly soul more often over the animal soul. Yeah. Yeah. So when we have this awareness of how, how we are created, how we were designed, um, then we can see ourselves how God sees us. We could accept ourselves, every part of ourselves, even the less beautiful parts with this compassion and acceptance. Um, And you know, we think our souls were so perfect, or they were so happy and content before they were flung down into this concrete world and and body and paired together with this animal soul and enclosed in this body. And for what purpose? It's it almost seems like a real downer for this beautiful, perfect, innocent soul. So if we can use this body and our animal soul as a vehicle and an instrument for our neshama, it's no longer trapped and jailed in a sense. It's, it finds expression like an artist, uh, like a singer, let's say, who finds her voice. So before, let's say her artist soul would be trapped. And now with her voice, she allows that her soul, her artist soul to find expression for that part, for that part of herself. So, and without her voice, her, her, 
her artist soul would be trapped. So our body and our animal soul actually is, brings the soul to a much greater place. It's a vehicle that brings, that allows our neshama to have expression in this world. And it brings her to a, such an infinitely greater place than she could have ever achieved before she came to this world. So we are in this, in this world, we are a, which is not the case with the angels or when a soul is no longer in trapped in a body. In this world, we're able, able to uplift darkness and elevate sparks by choosing to do good in a world that's not, that's not the obvious thing. And, and I think that when we have real compassion for ourselves and, and that this is, you know, whatever this, this, for the feelings that I have, for things that I did that I'm also proud of, instead of shaming myself, understanding that being imperfect and messing up and even like being, you know, messed up, whatever, like this is how I was created. And so just choosing good, just that choice of today, this moment, I'm choosing good. I'm choosing to do the right thing in this second, this moment, it is the purpose of why this world is created. So that's very empowering. Wow. That is really empowering. Wow. And I love what you said about you, about using the animal soul as, as like a vehicle for the godly soul, for the expression of the godly soul. It's beautiful. Thank you. Wow. And one last question. I, mean, I love anecdotes. I love anecdotes so much. And I, you know, because we could always really learn from them and be inspired by them. And I was wondering if you can please share a story or two about how learning Tanya has helped you in your own life um, by putting its teachings into practice in, in your everyday life. Yeah, so... I think that it really helped me. Um, I know that this real, this idea of being compassionate, understanding ourselves, this is how Hashem created us, really helped me with the, this idea of that um, to have a more forgiving relationship with myself, and and then leading it to having the to leading that will being led to having a more beautiful relationship with Hashem and with the people around me, because when it was like, I need to be so good, or this is in my head, like I want to be good. I want to do the right thing. And when I didn't, I would shame myself and it would, I would be so hard on myself. And so, and that wouldn't really lead to good things. It's kind of like, um, if I had a really bad day and I'm emotionally eating in the kitchen and I'm just saying like, Bossy, stop, you're going to feel sick tomorrow. And this is like, just, just, and having all these negative internal monologue in my head that usually just leads to more negative, whatever I'm doing, eating more of the chocolate cake or doing more of the bad negative self-talk usually doesn't lead to good, which is kind of counterintuitive. Cause you think if you're being hard on yourself, then, you know, you'll whip yourself into shape. But this is just, it's just an amazing thing because when we are understanding of ourselves, which is, it's really the truth. This is how Hashem created me. Hashem created me like this. So I'm understanding of that. I'm loving to myself. I'm compassionate to myself. And, and that, it, that compassion of understanding my faults, my flaws, my mess ups, you know, when I fall over and I, and I, and on my knees and it's just a mess 
then to really extend that compassion to the people around me, understanding why people would do things that you, you wouldn't never, you, for you, that's not a struggle for you. You, you think that's, you know, that's so wrong. That's how could they do that? But when you actually feel that compassion for yourself and understand why you yourself do things that are wrong, then you could really feel that compassion for not just for the greater world, but for people that are very close to you, like your spouse and your children. And usually um, when people are hard on the people that they love, it's because they're hard on themselves. And so when you're really compassionate to you, for your, for your Nishama's journey, like your Nishama's here in a body and naturally, naturally it really hides the, what the Nishama's desire. And naturally we're really driven by things that are very selfish and, and just like, and, and our job is to really nurture this Nishama, allow her to shine and to do things that are selfless and, and, you know, allow our better selves to come forward more often. But when, when we have this, you know, this gentle compassion on ourselves and, and just a softer way of looking at ourselves, we're able to really shine that to, it's kind of just a byproduct. We shine that to the world, to the people around us. And another thing I would say is that our relationship with Hashem, in our relationship with Hashem, it stops being um, so fear-based and like a checklist. Like God asks for me to do this and this and this, check that off. You know, now I'm in God's favor. Or now I don't have to feel like a guilty, you know, or like I did something bad or I'm a bad person. But when we look at this as this is an intimate relationship, Hashem created us in this way. He knows me better than I know myself. And he created me like, all this human conditioning and with all my circumstances and personal struggles that I'm able to view myself in the way that he views me. Like when I show up, how incredible that is. And it empowers me to take my Judaism and to make it more into a relationship. Like this is a relationship that I have with Hashem. And when I show up, it's a beautiful thing and he values it and treasures it so much. So I want to look at mitzvahs more than a checklist as an opportunity to create, to connect with Hashem. And it, it infuses your days, your Shabbos candles, your morning davening, whatever you're doing, even just like the way you look at yourselves and the people around you with so much more beauty and meaning and love. And you are actually showing up as opposed to just like doing this checklist, you know, to absolve guilt or whatever other things that were kind of, we're t- we just pick up um, from, you know, um, yeah. And, and it, it allows for me to own, to really have um, agency in my life in my Judaism because I I recognize that I have power to impact the the mitzvahs that we do aren't just it's not just uh, like lip service you know something like that is ceremonial ritual that is it's a beautiful thing and then it's just it it just um is 
is a, is created in my reality. Like the Shabbos candles that I light, it's it's a match that I light that creates two flames or how, and it's in my reality and I make this blessing and it's a beautiful thing. But when I realize that this is something that Hashem asks of me to do and I choose to do it, I choose to show up and how this mitzvah creates pleasure in Hash- for Hashem, which is like wild. Like me as, a, you know, this, this, fickle human being that's could give Hashem such pleasure and create ripples of fact. Like there is spiritual real impact that I, that I create when I do a mitzvah. And so, yeah, it's, it gives me a sense of empowerment and, um, you know, they say like when someone has purpose in this world, that really purpose, when we fill our, when we have an understanding of why we're here, that purpose allows us to fill our very, very mundane life with meaning, with it kind of like fills it with color, you know, everything that we're going through, it's not so monotonous, it's not so just the grind every day, but when we have this understanding that we're chosen, we are chosen by Hashem, to be in this relationship with him, then my every day, like starting from, you know, if I say Mozani in the morning and I wash my hands and I go through my whole day, just so, just seems so mundane, so not special. All of a sudden it's filled with like, wow, I'm so lucky. I'm so fortunate. I'm in a relationship with, with, you know, the creator of the universe. That is so beautiful. That is so beautiful. And, you know, I wanted to say something that, like I, I really love, like a, almost like a common theme um, throughout, throughout our talk of self-compassion, because I just I want to bring that out because it's so important. And, and you're right. I feel like um, I feel like we don't all have that compassion for ourselves. I feel like a lot of times we are hard on ourselves. And when we're, we're, we're hard on ourselves, like you said, we're hard on other people, too. And we're not showing them compassion. And then it just makes the world a harder place. We're making ourselves feel bad. We're making other people feel bad. And we don't need to because Hashem created us the way we are. Hashem created the other person the way the other person is. And there's no reason to make yourself feel bad or anybody else feel bad. And, you know, we're all just trying to do the best that we can with the tools that Hashem gave to each and every one of us. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much, Robinson Bossy, for taking the time to join us on America's Top Robinsons. We really enjoyed having you here and may the learning we did today be for Rafua Shalema, for Eliezer Raphael Leibanamuna, and also for Sivan Bad Iris. Thank you so, so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you.